Hey everyone, welcome to the final episode of Christmas in July, which now I guess is Christmas in August. My name is Jonathan North, and today my cousin Sarah and I are looking at five different silent film adaptations of A Christmas Carol. I had planned to have this episode be the first episode of my Christmas Carol series, but things happen, life happens, we didn't get a chance to record the episode till the end of July, Sarah and I had a family member pass away unexpectedly, which kind of threw our whole month off. So we're just doing the best we can. Either way, I didn't want to do a Christmas Carol series and not talk about the silent film versions. Sarah and I had talked about several of these over the years, and when we did the silent versions of Alice in Wonderland episodes, I knew I wanted to do one for a Christmas Carol as well. And like we did for the Alice episode, instead of re-releasing all the individual episodes as one, I thought we'd just discuss them all together. I guess, of course, we should start with the 1901 version, the very first one. Very short film. They're all short, but this one was the shortest. Apparently, it was 6 minutes and 20 seconds, but all that remain, I guess, are 3 minutes and 26 seconds. So I don't know what is missing, Oh, but a bunch of it is missing. Well, and when you go back to 1901... How long was any movie? I don't know. As far as I know, most movies around that time were pretty short. I don't think they had, like, hour-long films. Because the Alice from maybe 1903 was... It was short as well. Mm -hmm. It was nice, but it was short. It was still so young that I would imagine that doing six minutes of film felt like quite the thing. Yeah, probably. There wasn't a lot of description with this one. Scrooge looked like he might be a little young, but whatever. Uh, There were times that I thought that about other Scrooges that we've seen, too. And with not a lot of description, I read that the filmmakers were counting on audiences being familiar with the story. Like, we've discussed this about other ones. Like, we can tell that they were probably making for people who are in the story. This one specifically said... They were counting on people being familiar with the story to reduce the need for a lot of intertitles. And this is at a time when this is already an, a relatively old book. Mm-hmm. But that, such is the power of Dickens, I guess. So, But then the thing is, okay, what, what are we missing? Because I think there was one ghost... Well, the the title of this one was Scrooge or Marley's Ghost, so I think it was only Marley through the whole thing. Which isn't the only one that does that. There's no boyhood here. They skip straight to him being a young lover and having regret. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that happens with a lot of these older ones, but all of the visions are basically just projected on a wall behind him. Like, they, okay. even, they even have, in this one specifically, he draws this big black curtain closed, and that becomes the place where the visions Okay, happen. thank you for catching that. I didn't know how they did it. I just know that this is a repeated effect through these old films of having this hazy yeah, overlay I, thing. I think it was, it probably wasn't, like, projecting, projecting like we think of now, but, like, they were sort of, mixing two scenes they shot different times and then not exactly cut out but i don't know exactly how they did it for that specific effect either way it seems to be common back then the one there was one that looked specifically cut out though when he the door knocker looked like it had been cut out and placed over top of the door knocker his face so you're catching this stuff that's good (laughs) It, just, it stuck out to me because it was, like, very clearly, like, it, what there was no hazy outline. It was just, like, it looked like a circle cut out over the top. Whereas with these, it was, like, hazy, like, ghost-like. I feel like this wasn't a bad one if a person wanted to revisit a really old Scrooge. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much it's going to be a family classic, but if you're curious about that, yeah. it's not a big-time commitment. It's not awful. Yeah. The... It's more for, I guess, looking back at the history, because, like you said, there's not a whole lot of story, and it kind of just abruptly ends after Scrooge sees his grave. That's... <laughs> you, so you don't really even get the, I don't know, not the fully redemption. So you're just basically getting a historical snippet. 
with yeah. this film. So don't get your hopes up too high unless that's what you're after. Mm-hmm. After that, there was another silent film from 1908, but it is considered lost. So we couldn't watch that one. <laughs> yeah, the Kratits had a sign that said, God bless us, everyone. And then at his nephew's house, there was a sign that said, Merry Xmas. <laughs> a Merry Xmas. Anyway. 1910. That one is a bit longer. 13 minutes. You get basically the whole story here. Scrooge looked more fitting to this role. Mm-hmm. This one, it has a similar effect for the door knocker than, as the last one, except it's hazier. And I think it's sort of better, but not perfect because you can see the door knocker through his face. Would you say kind of annoyed me a bit. Would you say overall that this one has more special effects? Yeah, I would say so. I feel like the special effects sort of get better the longer you go or the further you go into the future. Sure. With each adaptation, they get a little bit better. You have the charity people, you have the nephew. Now, what gets weird... This version gets a little bit weird and messed up. Maybe it was more fitting to the time. Hopefully it's less fitting now, but human nature doesn't really change. And this one had it where it was like his nephew's proposal of marriage was getting rejected because he didn't have enough money. And Oh, is that what was going on? Yeah! Yeah, no, it's like he's watching where his nephew, his life is being ruined because he doesn't have enough money. This girl won't marry him. And and when he is redeeming himself, he's basically telling his nephew, oh, I think that you can marry whoever you want because I'm going to yeah. make you my partner and they're all happy. And so it's way more about... Fred having money, which not every version is like that. Like Fred, no, I noticed that about the end, but I was—I th- just thought it was a weird thing at the end. No, it was—it was woven in earlier, and that was him redeeming himself. Um, so didn't really like that aspect. If you're cool with that, I guess <laughs> have fun with this. Another weird thing about this one was the ghosts were all one character as the spirit of Christmas, which I thought was kind of weird. We already had Marley's ghost doing everything in the last one, and now it's the spirit of Christmas instead of splitting it into three. And it's a lot of him seeing his like his breakup parties. There's not a whole lot of depth in the stuff that you see in the past. And then... I guess that's where the stuff with Fred comes in, is in the present. But then you have... I don't know if this is supposed to be their version of ignorance and want, because it says want and misery on the title cards, and then you see like these ghostly hands reaching up at the bottom of the screen. That sounds so creepy. <laughs> I was like, is that supposed to be their take on ignorance and want, the two ghostly children? Under it has Christmas to be. presents robes. It has to be. So they they took some liberties here. And there was at least one scene where, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but the Cratchits were incredibly fearful of Scrooge. I, I remember Weren't they like that, hiding yeah. behind a table? And I figured, I think sort years of. ago when we talked about this before, I think we made note of that too. Uh, another thing that, <laughs> I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but... In the vision of the future, he, like, dies on screen. <laughs> and then you have, I think it's Mrs. Dilber. <laughs> she just comes and takes, like, a coin out of his dead hand. I feel like I may have laughed over that part. It, I did. Um, it, it, was, it was kind of creepy and hammy and funny all at the same time, mm-hmm. maybe you'd say. Uh, so if you have a morbid sense of humor, if you like a little hamminess... <laughs> and money lust, then you might like this. <laughs> and if you don't, it's only 13 minutes, so you have wasted <laughs> you an hour. Your suffering won't be very long. <laughs> but no, it's not a terrible version, but I wouldn't list it as number one of no. the old versions. Um, a recurring theme throughout these old films is sausage curls, so if you like seeing those, then you know, you're good. <laughs> 
I guess I didn't notice that, but that would be something that you would notice. Oh, I was taking note of the hairstyles. <laughs> it, it changed as time went on. Yeah. Then we come to the 1913 version, which is called Scrooge. And then it was re-released in 1926 as Old Scrooge, which I guess more people are familiar with. But it was made in 1913. This one is much longer than the others. This one was 40 minutes. Even though it didn't need to be. No. (laughs) This is much closer to being like a feature film, but it's not. But it felt like it. It felt really long, especially at the beginning. They belabored it where he's just sort of hobbling around outside. And just there was there were things that didn't they could have been cut out and they could have picked up the pace, but they didn't. One thing that I do appreciate about this version is the beginning where, well, there's a moral overtone with more than one of these. They have that, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. I mean, I need more of that. But I'd say encouraging the moral tone of the story, but also praising the author and talking about the historical background. And they showed his birthplace and they had sort of a little historical reenactment where he's in his study writing yes and there was an awesome hat (laughs) at the beginning there were these two men basically in modern day looking at his birthplace one of them had a great straw hat it was just so that's one of my favorite parts of this film (laughs) is two dudes in 1913 standing outside of a house and then walking into it it's it's awesome i feel like that's something else that you commented on a couple years ago when we watched this for the first time so very consistent yeah there's only so much we change over time i mean we do change but certain things stay the same like sarah's love of straw hats well it's a very specific style i suppose you'd call it a boating hat and nobody wears them anymore and it was just so of the time and the way his suit was tailored and it's just it's it was a neat little historical window mm-hmm. and you're watching these people and it's like man you're all dead <laughs> but it's still very interesting Technically, I think everyone in this is probably, probably dead now. Probably. All the we watched. If they're still alive, they're amazing. They're very old. Very, very. One other thing that's kind of notable about this beyond just the movie was that Scrooge is played by an actor named Seymour Hicks. And apparently he had played Scrooge since 1901 on stage, like in theaters. Mm-hmm. And then... He continued to play Scrooge, and then he played him again in another movie in 1935, which is one that we talked about last year on my other podcast. So if you want to see one of the people to play Scrooge, I'd say watch one of his versions. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the 1935 one was better than this one. So maybe go for that one. (laughs) And then you get sound, too. Not that that's always a bonus, but for some people it is. You get who? Sound. Oh, I thought you said you get Sam. (laughs) No, Sam who? (laughs) (laughs) It opens spending a lot of time setting up how terrible Scrooge is. Like, yes. they go on and on about how awful he Basically is. Basically what a frigid person he is and mm-hmm. how the temperature can't affect him. And, yes, it was it was hammy. And they had, like, children being terrified of him and little kids overacting about yeah, how scary he was. Weren't they throwing snowballs at him at first? They were, they were doing that, too. They were, they were either horrified of him or throwing snowballs at him. Or both. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Another thing that is very, very, very notable of this version is that if you watch the one that we did, somebody overlaid music with it that... Didn't fit. Yes. (laughs) And if you like the soundtrack, as it is, you can do that. If you like jazzy saxophone with, with... a 1913 film that is your prerogative but it was very weird but if you want to mute it find some old music or old sounding music just put it along with it 
Yeah. I wouldn't say watch it silent, not completely silent, because that takes some of the fun away, but find your own soundtrack. We listened to the soundtrack to Over the Garden Wall <laughs> while we were watching this. Which also got rather hilarious because things just kept fitting along with the story. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was it was weirdly fitting in some places. Yeah, some places it really did not fit at all because... Over but that the- added an extra layer of entertainment when you had like a happy tune when something scary was happening. <laughs> so... To each his own, but that ended up being funny. Some of that actually does sound very old-fashioned and was fitting to the film. And I don't know how many different versions of this are floating around. This one was sent to me by one of our listeners. So I know this is in the public domain, so different companies have put out their own releases. So I don't know if every company uses this particular soundtrack. Yeah. either way, it was weird. Just feel free to make your own happy. Whatever yeah. you like to listen to, pair it with that. Yeah. And don't go away from the version just because you don't like the music. You can go away from it because it was very boring for the first half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It really, it took forever to get to the ghosts. And, like, that's everybody's favorite part is the ghosts. And so I was kind of bored. Yeah, I don't know if that's my favorite part, but okay. I mean, every, it's the part that everybody like looks forward to. Like, how are the ghosts going to look? What is, what's going to happen with the visions? Really? It, yeah. Okay. It's one of the most interesting parts of the story. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when you think of A Christmas Carol, you think of him being visited by the three ghosts and becoming a changed person. Mm-hmm. And it's fine to set up how terrible he is, but they spent so long setting up how terrible he is before you get to the ghosts. Yeah. There was an interesting crossover here because you have a poor lady visit him in his office, and so you have some of the speech about poor people come up then, Mm -hmm. but then they follow it with a charity person coming over as well, and then there's some crossover there, too. I don't know why they did both. Yeah. Their prerogative. It was another thing where it felt like it was being drawn out. And this one, basically all, aside from the outside, aside from the outside scene, this mainly happens in his office. Yeah, he never goes home. He's mainly in his office. I'm sure, you know, you'd have vignettes elsewhere, but, or do they just overlay that in the room? Um, they, they all just appeared on the wall, like in the 1901 version. So this one's a little bit of a rip-off that way. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. And the, if, you're gonna wa- if you want to watch Seymour Hicks, this one was kind of boring. Go for the 1935 one. And Marley was not a complicated ghost. They probably did some fancy work with sheets, if I remember correctly, on this one. And there, was, mm-hmm. there were no other ghosts. No, Marley says that he comes representing the ghosts of past, present, and future. Yeah, this one took some interesting trails. <laughs> <laughs> like Tiny Tim dying on screen. <laughs> <laughs> now, the the Cratchit girls, they had nice braids, I noticed. Okay. That, okay, so you think of, for all the people who are into Anne of Green Gables, the 1980s version, thank you very much. <laughs> then those type of pigtail braids... This is about that era, and more than one of them had those braids. It probably was not historically accurate to Dickens. I don't know. I'd have to look that up, but I doubt it. Also, I think an older girl had a nice Gibson tuck with sausage curls on the side. So pay attention to that if you're into hairstyles. It was it was interesting. But those hairstyles may have been a little bit more accurate to that time, or a lot more accurate to that time than to Dickens' time. The older girl would probably be the closest. There was also a strange liberty where he's imagining that he's feasting with the Cratchits. Yeah. Instead of actually feasting with them. That was which is, very weird. It was just as well that he was imagining it because he kissed Bob's wife, didn't he? Yes. He like held mistletoe over her head and... He kissed her on the cheek. It, no, I... Well... Did he? I thought it was on the lips. <laughs> just... Either way, it was very weird. And I think... it didn't seem like that she was totally into it, but like she played along. 
I don't know. It's just the whole thing is weird. I feel like the times that we live in make us more sensitive to like, oh, they're touching. I shouldn't be. Whereas back in the day, maybe they didn't really care. Probably not. They may have been far more innocent or lenient about it. But that was, was for some reason, just an imaginary get-together. Yeah. It it was weird for for multiple reasons. Which he did reconcile to to Bob when he came to the office, but mm-hmm. yeah, and he imagines that he has dinner with the Cratchits, but then he actually has dinner with Fred. But that's only in an, a title. It says that he goes to dinner, <laughs> but it doesn't actually show it. So they show what he imagines that happened, and they don't show what it says actually happened. Also, he kisses a chair. I did not notice that. <laughs> weird for a different reason. When he came out of the dream and he was, everything was okay, he kissed the arm of the chair, which is acceptable. That's less weird than other things about this version. Yeah, I guess so. And then when Bob does show up, this is another thing where he's so hammy about his repentance that the way he's touching Bob... It's just like, if you were my employer. Oh, yeah. Like, he's like clinging on to his arm, mm-hmm. and he, like, I don't know if he, like, pats him on the cheek. It's very, like, of the times, it's not meant to be anything creepy or weird. It's just meant to show repentance and affection. But if you're, if you were my boss, don't just, just, just don't. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> just don't. Maybe a nice handshake and a check. Yeah, a, a superfluous check would be <laughs> would be great. Yeah, yeah. No, that was it. Was very strange. There was a lot of strangeness in this. <laughs> it was very boring for half of it, then very strange for the other half. <laughs> and then throw the music in, and it's very strange. Yeah. So yeah, not number one version. I don't know if I'll say that about any of these, but there are a, the, the next two. Better. Prob- sure. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is from 1914, and it's either called A Christmas Carol or just Christmas Carol. At the beginning, it says Christmas Carol, and then later on, because the the titles, when they come up in this one, it's different because it lists the actors when the new character comes on screen, and then it has the title underneath And at one point, I saw A Christmas Carol. So that was a little quirk of this film. I don't think I've seen that before, where it lists, when it credits an actor when they appear on screen in the middle of the movie. Hmm. And it just kept happening. Like with every ghost, it would pop up a new How did I miss that? We were watching this together, by the way, people. And yet I was not... Where was I? Man. I don't know. I, it was something that stuck out to me. I wrote it down. The, I guess the actor's name was probably small in smaller print than the character Maybe name. Maybe I was just so busy staring at the actual people that I wasn't paying attention to the gray blob underneath saying who it was. Uh, was that? I don't know. Well, it was a, it was like a separate title screen. Like it popped up like you know with silent movies. It said like the Ghost of Christmas Past, and then underneath it had the actor's name oh so i was probably just reading that part probably that's probably how you missed it okay this one i feel like well i don't feel like it was definitely the clearest picture of all of them like there was very little grain it wasn't like hd or anything but it was very clear picture so i don't know where this film was stored but they kept very good care of it right cannot be said for all things no um I was confused. Okay, maybe you can explain this to me. So you have handsome, by the way, nephew on here, but then you also have a niece thrown in. That's not supposed to be his wife, right? Is that just an extra relative that came along? Or were they was count it? or were they counting the marriage as now she's a niece because she's married in? How how did that work? Did it say niece? Yeah, I, it did. Oh, I missed that. I missed that one. <laughs> you missed the actors i missed the knees i just assumed it was like a fiance or a yeah wife. the chick showing up at the office and later on was described as niece so somebody fill us in in the comments if somebody married somebody's nephew back then were they just referred to as their niece or 
Hmm. I don't know. No, I just assumed, I guess, that it was his wife or fiance. Right, because that's the story in the other ones. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't catch the niece title card. Perhaps the best quote of this film was, Poor Bob gives his might. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was funny, but we laughed. <laughs> because when the charity people showed up, even though Scrooge wouldn't give, Bob did, and they had a little they had a little card for it. <laughs> Another thing that would be of historical interest is that Tiny Tim looks like he could be three, four years old, mm-hmm. and it follows with. However many decades long trend of little boys having curls. He didn't have the longest curls that he could have Mm -hmm. because obviously that got pretty extreme sometimes. But he had curls going on and he looked like, I don't know, Shirley Temple's brother or something. He was cute. Mm -hmm. But just know, yes, that is a boy with a leg brace. And curls, and that's how it was back then. They grew up and they got their hair cut, but when life started out, you're going to have to look for other indicators to know what gender the child is, like whether they gave them a fake knife or something, you know? (laughs) I feel like that was a thing. (laughs) Or maybe it was a real knife. (laughs) Back then, it could have been a real knife. (laughs) You know, like, I think there could be certain indicators in the dress of the child to show that yes this is a boy but if you didn't know first blush their flowy garments and long curls could totally throw you and that's just the way it was back then they tiny tim was had pants on though because he was wearing the leg brace okay if you're totally unfamiliar with the times and you think that little girls wore pants back in 1914 (laughs) just don't think that you're watching a shirley temple film in fact if you think you're watching a shirley temple film just go take a nap and then come back and watch this (laughs) this is turning into a weird ramble one thing that i thought was interesting at the time when you see the tiny toddler tim it's kind of cutting back and forth between the Cratchits and Scrooge. And Scrooge goes to a restaurant, which is not something that I've seen in any other version except for one of the animated versions that I talked about last Christmas. And I just thought that was interesting that that showed up in this version and the animated version. And I don't know why they would even include that. Besides that he came in and was like crushing the happy atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That's probably why they included it. Probably. I just thought it was an interesting thing that they added in that you never see in most every other version. He usually goes home and eats gruel. (laughs) Right. That would be the cheaper thing to do, probably. (laughs) Yes. And you get a door knocker effect in this one, too. It's an improved version of the 1910 one. Like, this time you can't really see the door knocker through his face. Mm. So, like I said, the special effects are kind of improving as they go. And the Marley effect improved as well. It's better than the last time. And this time you actually get the spirits. You actually see a different spirit for each one. They had an interesting selection of spirits. (laughs) The first one, Jonathan was especially confused because it's like, is that a man or a woman? It's like, no, I think it's a man with a long wig and a robe. (laughs) But it looked like a little old lady. (laughs) (laughs) He's not around to be insulted by that. (laughs) So that happened. This is also the first... Okay, so you have his boyhood. And Mm -hmm. I wish that I could have actually seen him as a boy from the front. But you just have this little brunette kid crying over the desk. And this is the first time, I think, in the film versions that you actually have Fezziwig. I think so. And you have Fezziwig's party. So that's a nice touch. Yeah, the at least to me, one of the notable things about these scenes was that they actually go to these places. Like, this one is definitely an advancement over the last one. Yeah, because in the other ones, you, they're just like, he's watching them as visions sort of projected on the wall behind him. But would, this time they actually went to these places. Right. And the ghost of Christmas present 
looks more like what you would expect mm -hmm. from watching whatever, well, at least from the version that I grew up watching. He has mm -hmm. a beard. He looks, I don't know, is festive the right word? Yeah. He looks fitting for the part. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that, I don't know how much it's ever included in the versions, and this is probably what is being acted out here. It's Blind Man's Buff. And in the actual book, I think it's one of the cutest things that happens because there is a young man playing it and it talks about how he's, I think he's kind of hamming it up playing this game and purposefully catching this, I don't know, plump little woman or something like he's into her and he's purposefully <laughs> going after her and I don't know, being mock scary or whatever. It's just, it's a really cute part of the story and it's really well written. So, you know, never mind the ghost. That's one of my favorite parts of the story. <laughs> I know it's not the deepest thing that happens, but it was very cute. And they do have them playing a blindfolded game, but I don't know if it's the nephew that's blindfolded or some other dude. And I think he catches a girl and gives her a kiss and it's nice. At least I think, hopefully. that. <laughs> <laughs> if you notice something bad that happened, no, nothing bad happened in that scene. He probably caught his wife or something. <laughs> or the niece, who we don't know who that is. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> One thing about this, probably wasn't that scene. I think maybe it was in the past still. Either way, in one of the visions that they go on, I, I thought it was funny because Scrooge is like sadly dancing. <laughs> that was Fezziwig's party. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it was like really slow, sadly dancing. I thought it was. Uh, kind of weirdly funny. I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but I found it funny. I'm not having a great time remembering. <laughs> they had the Cratchits, too, in present. In this version, wasn't she just kind of plump and jolly? And Yeah. The Cratchits seemed like a fun family in this version, I thought. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And the, one of my main takeaways is that I liked her cabinet that had her china in it <laughs> but no she looks more like a normal happy person and mm -hmm. yeah i think the whole family seemed like that they just seemed like fun other, like, like, like you could go hang out with the cratchits yeah and the other versions didn't seem like that so much i mean they didn't seem like bad people they just were kind of there the, this one tiny tim was really cute and she was merry and Hey, she had a nice cabinet, so <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of what the right word is for that type of cabinet, but whatever. Just Let's just call it a china hutch, but it, it was, yeah, never mind. It was nice. <laughs> then we get to the future, and Sarah thought that the ghost of Christmas future looked like a priest. I kind of thought he looked like a monk. Okay, he you know, that's probably a better descriptor monk yeah okay yeah he just he had on these long robes with scalloped edging yeah which was a kind of an interesting choice it was a hooded outfit mm -hmm. i would say he's one of the least creepy ghost of the future yeah. people ever and that is one of the reasons that i would recommend this version mm -hmm. because if you're looking for non-creepiness i feel like this is one of the highest ranking ones and really, I think all that happens in the future is that they go to see his tombstone. There's no scenes of him seeing people after he's died or anything. And no, then... no gasping out his last. <laughs> no, <laughs> like the last one. When he comes out of it, he does say an uh, actual prayer of thankfulness, which is nice. Another thing that's different about this version is he actually goes to the poultry shop. I, know, I made note of that, too. That was something you don't usually see. I don't think I've ever seen that in a, any other version. So if you want to see a bunch of bird carcasses and a guy <laughs> buying one, this is your version. Yeah. But I like that they included him, actually. I mean, I don't know that that's accurate to the book, but I like that they included mm -hmm. it. It adds a little more color. They still had the kid that delivered it, even though he didn't send the kid to get the bird, but he still delivered it. But he also told them it was from Scrooge, which I thought was kind of weird, because it's usually like a secret who sent the bird when he told them it was from Scrooge. 
You know, after he gave him a raise, he probably would have figured it out anyway, but... Well, I don't think he gives him the raise till the end. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Anyway. Uh, yeah, well. Then Scrooge goes to have dinner with Fred. And then the next day he goes in. And we didn't mention it at the beginning, but <laughs> Cratchit had put a single, like, twig of holly. He was two little sprigs. Either way, it was just the tiniest little decoration, and Scrooge threw it across the room. So at the end, you have Scrooge arriving to work, and he's, like, crying over the hallway. Yeah, he picks it out of the <laughs> fireplace and sets it up again. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then when Bob comes in, he looks very mischievous before telling him that he's doubling his salary. And then at the very end, he actually goes and visits the Cratchits, and then you get... Tiny Tim's iconic line, God bless us, everyone. This is one of the best silent versions. If you actually want mm. to watch a silent version that covers the story, it's not super creepy. They do a decent job. Plus, it actually has the best picture, like picture quality. So, bonus. So, yes, 1914, mm-hmm. A Christmas Carol. Look for that one if you want to watch a really old one. After this one, there was another film in 1916 called The Right to be Happy, which was the first feature-length adaptation, still a silent film, but sadly, it is apparently lost in its entirety. According to the Library of Congress website, no copies survive anywhere. So that was kind of a disappointment when I found that out, because it was like, hey, there's like one of the first feature-length adaptations was a silent film. And then I started looking for it. Nope, can't watch it. So... Just kind of interesting to note. I thought I should mention it. But yeah. Now you can. Now you all know what you can't watch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it happened. It happened yeah. in 1916, which is interesting. Was it an American film? Yes. Okay. So we had not entered World War One yet. You kind of run into this a lot. At least I do in researching different versions of different books that we can talk about on the podcast. And I always like to go back and see if there are silent versions of things we can watch. Right. And so many of them have been lost. I feel like that happened when I was looking up Anne of Green Gables versions, that there were one or more where it's just not really there, which is too bad. Yeah, I was looking into that one. And, of course, Secret Garden, we talked about versions that we can't watch. Um... I think there's one or more that are lost from The Wizard of Oz, but some of those do still survive, and and I'm going to try and find those, because I want to actually see some. I've been told they're all terrible, but I want to watch them anyway. <laughs> of course you do. But this, this illustrates our point, or it helps to bring home the point more, that the 1914 one stands apart. Yeah. More so because of the picture quality and the fact that it's decent like it's intact you get the whole story yeah and then we come to the 1923 version it had a nice font (laughs) i i had forgotten like we watched this probably like three or more years ago and i had forgotten it and i guess after watching the 1914 one i was like the next one's probably going to be even better (laughs) and it wasn't (laughs) I think this is the final silent adaptation. This is another one where weird music choices, and I don't know if it's just somebody has put this on there and you can find better somewhere else, but the one that we had was weird. And I think I pointed this out the first time we watched this years ago. Cratchit looks miserable, and he looks older than Scrooge. (laughs) Let's, Let's make a little note here. I watched this... I think probably while listening to other music, had this muted, watch this at double speed because mm. it's about the right speed at double speed. Do not put yourself through, I mean, unless you're totally doing something else <laughs> while this is going on, don't watch it at single speed because you'll have enough time to read the cards mm-hmm. and everything and and not spend half your life on it. Yeah, and I think I did the same thing. I paused it once or twice because there was a couple places where it was like, I need to write down a bunch of stuff about this. (laughs) But for the most part, double speed is a good speed. 
If you're not if you're not actively taking notes, double speed. Is I a was speed. taking notes. I'm sure probably probably not as many as you were taking, but even for me taking a little bit of notes on it, it was fine. <laughs> but especially if you're just watching it, don't put yourself through that. I there was a there was an extra intro that was is not from the book, but it was based on the book. Depending on how much of a stickler I guess you want to be. There was just one charity person, which is mm -hmm. not the first, it's not the only old one that's like that. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's because they just didn't want to pay extra people. <laughs> um, I have here in my notes, Caroler gets biffed. <laughs> Do you know, this, this, this is another thing that I remember we made specific note of the first time we watched this one. Because I had forgotten which one it was and I was just waiting for this to happen. So when Fred is there, everything happens as normal. But when he leaves, there's a little boy outside and he gives him a coin. And I don't know if this is like incentivizes the little boy to stay or what, but he stands outside and starts singing. <laughs> and then you have Scrooge looking out the window and he comes out with his giant book, probably like his ledger or something. And he clobbers him over the head <laughs> and the boy goes down. <laughs> and I was, I was like, that... you. They, they're they not going to do that these days. And hopefully they were just play acting. But it looked like he really hit the kid hard. <laughs> if it was real, I don't want to know. If you actually biffed the caroler, shame on you. But hopefully they were just hamming it up. Yeah, I mean, there are ways to make it look realistic without actually hitting him. So yes. hopefully they were employing one of yes. those techniques. Don't get so into your character that you actually act like a bad person. <laughs> yeah. And the kid gets up right away and he runs away, so, he, so yeah. it wasn't like he was like knocked senseless. Yeah. But then you have Scrooge shaking his fist after the kid, <laughs> yes. which was also, it added to the funniness for Hopefully me. Hopefully a good time was had by all. <laughs> I have a quote here from the movie. Okay. I Maybe. wonder if it's one that I wrote down. <laughs> Let's compare notes. <laughs> that night in his own room, Scrooge broods over the stupidity of Christmas festivities. No, I forgot to write that one down, but I was going to write that one down. <laughs> so if you're frustrated with Christmas, here's your here's what you can cross-stitch for the holidays. <laughs> no, the thing that I wrote down was... Mrs. Fred and her sister prepare for Christmas. And I was like, so they don't even bother giving her her own name. She's just Mrs. Fred, not Mrs. whatever Fred's last name was. Just was this, Mrs. Fred. Was this a British film or not? Um, let me check. Because you remember, in the, maybe you don't remember, in the Jane Austen stories... Maybe this doesn't even apply. They would re they would refer to their husbands as, you know, like Mr. M or something like that. I think this formality has probably gone away a lot, but used to be people would send and probably receive letters as, you know, I'll just make up a name. So I'm not talking about, you know, Mrs. Allen Jorgensen or uh, it could be mrs frederick willis or whatever so that's probably within the tradition of that even though it sounds weird like her name should be emma or something mm -hmm. i guess this is a uk film so maybe. so i so maybe maybe a little bit of britishism going on but also may just be of the times yeah maybe but i just also, thought it was so weird that she was just called mrs fred yeah not even mrs frederick or yeah. Miss, mrs whatever his last name was yeah. <laughs> do they even ever does dickens even say i don't think so i i, I almost thought scrooge but it was his sister, sister yeah so it probably wasn't scrooge so i don't know i don't think it ever said yeah and i don't know how important it ever was to the story probably not I just, I don't know. That just really stuck out to me. <laughs> Mrs. Fred. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it's also one of those names, Fred. So it just sounds, <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Fred sounds a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like saying, it's practically like saying Mrs. Bob. <laughs> yeah. That would seem just as weird, if not weirder. Especially because you know their last name for sure. <laughs> I was kind of throwing that out, but it does fit the story. <laughs> This one, the effects were fine. There was no door knocker scene, 
which I don't know why that stuck out to me was like they have him go home so why was there no door knocker scene it got weird though when the ghost came because the spirit of Christmas past was tiny and maybe that's accurate to the book because I remember in the book he's like compared to a candle so maybe that's what they're going for but they had him as a little man (laughs) and it was like uh like a little elf (laughs) that's what it seemed like to me it was strange i feel like we kind of need the book with us i remember the 1980s version she's like i hope which is actually a she in that version but that's probably not accurate to the book something like i hold the lamp of truth would you seek to put it out Mm. so i don't know they skipped childhood they went straight to his lousy romance (laughs) that that's that's one thing that really stuck out to me as being very subpar in this version was the quality of his time with the ghosts because that's like the only thing you see is his poor relationship very briefly no childhood no growing up no first job or anything that's it Mm -hmm. and then you get to the present who looks good kind of santa-ish yeah but he doesn't do anything there's no vision they don't go anywhere you don't see fred or the cratchits and it looks like scrooge is begging him for something i don't know just preach at him a little bit or the he basically says something like he spends christmas in the homes of those who love christmas and then he lists like fred and the cratchits and it looks like Scrooge is begging him. It doesn't have words for him be- begging him. And then the ghost says, No, you cannot tempt me to remain, for you have no love for your fellow man, only love for yourself. And then he disappears. Basically, I go to nice people. I'm not staying with you, jerk. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> how does this help him at all? <laughs> I'm rejecting you. I hope you feel bad enough to change. Yeah, well, he apparently felt bad because he like fell to the floor saying i'm not the man i once was please stay with me mr santa ghost person please and then you get future (laughs) what did sarah think of the future ghost yeah don't show this to your kids he was the i probably the creepiest he had like a burlap sack over his head. Oh, I, I laughed that's... at how terrible it was. But if that burlap, if that burlap sack dude, okay, maybe an alley isn't a good. If he showed up anywhere <laughs> in a dimly lit room and was slowly yeah, motioning yeah, with his true. hand, like that would be terrifying. If what it were real sadistic life. cult do you belong to, buddy? <laughs> Now just hold still while I grab my pepper spray. The cult of the faceless potato sack people. <laughs> the most feared cult. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the the slow beckoning was the thing with him. And I was like, this reminds me of the 1950 now. <laughs> the white rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Just don't. Unless you're trying to ham it up, like, don't slowly beckon to anybody. That's no. It, it, it came off as funny in the context of this film to me. But yeah, I don't, like you I don't said, think if it I've, was real, if there was a real person doing that in I the d- dark. I didn't find it funny. If they were, it was a real person doing that in the daylight. Yeah. If I was randomly out on the cement somewhere and there's a dude with a sack on his head, you know, it just... Coming out of the cornfield. Just, just hand me a fire hose and then maybe I'll laugh as he struggles on the ground. <laughs> just. <laughs> no. Just. And Scrooge. Scrooge wasn't having a good time either because he looked like he was literally choking from yeah. his presence. Yeah. It, <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to communicate there, but he really looked like he was choking. I think they were trying to communicate how stinking creepy. Yeah, but... But also, was it... I've never choked over being afraid of something. Well, congratulations. I think that there are people who have. 
Okay. If that's well, a thing, then I take it back. I've just never heard of it. If somebody was having a panic attack, they'd probably be having a hard time breathing. So if you wanted, to, if you wanted to chalk it up to that, either that just his evil, nasty presence could have been sucking the air out of the room. I don't know. Um, that makes that makes more sense than choking, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, panicking would probably be the right word. I guess I just chalked it up to it being a weird acting choice on the part of the guy playing Scrooge. Because the the acting wasn't all the greatest in this. (laughs) I guess if you wanted a Halloween film, maybe, yeah. (laughs) My least, one of my least favorite holidays. Sue me. Also, who is Topper? <laughs> that was another thing I wrote down. I mean, it's a cute name, kind of like Thumper, but yeah. After the whole thing with Future, when he wakes up, it goes to Fred's house, and it says Topper, who is in love with Mrs. Fred's sister. Yeah, don't give Mrs. Fred's sister a name. <laughs> I mean, if Mrs. Fred can't even get her own name, why should you give they could have her been, sister name? They could have been like Mrs. Fred and her sister Elsie, and then be like, Topper is in love with Elsie, you know? They could have done that. Yeah. Or Miss Elsie, you know, make it nice and proper. Yeah, I don't know. But apparently he's proposing at that point. Is Topper like a British nickname or something? Like, I I feel like you could name a small dog or maybe a little tuxedo cat, name, name them Topper. That would be cute. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard the name before. But apparently he's proposing and you have Fred and Mrs. Fred watching. Mrs. Fred, like, beckons Fred in. And then... Like, come see. Yeah. Then they're all, like, congratulating them. And Mrs. Fred's sister is acting all <laughs> shy. Best Christmas ever. <laughs> and Scrooge eats with them and gives Fred money. Yeah, one thing I I don't know if this is something that should seem weird or not. It stuck out to me anyways. They all sit down to eat, except for Mrs. Fred, who I th- it looks like she's saying grace. And I was like, would they have done that? Like, it seems like something that back then they would say, the man has to say grace. But they had her saying grace, and I was like, that just seemed, I don't know, oddly progressive for the time. <laughs> I don't get that. Most of the time... I mean, like in our house, you know, if I'm sitting down with my parents, my dad will say grace most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, it was Hollywood. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe that was something. Now, you said this was a British film? Yeah. Let us know. Were the British people in Edwardian times, were the women the ones saying grace? or? But I know, like, here's another thing, which... Maybe neither here nor there, but anybody remember the Waltons that's under 35? I don't know. <laughs> um, different members of the family would take turns saying grace. So there's that thing of within families, I think, teaching the children to say their thankfulness for the meal. But why Mrs. Fred was saying the prayer? No clue. I don't know. It just stuck out to me yeah. as notable. Yeah. Was this the one where you said it looked like the children were getting covered in asbestos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know that's kind of a random thing to just jump to right after the woman saying grace. But <laughs> no, I thought no. it was funny. At the very beginning, when the kids are throwing snow, I think this might have been the one. Was it? One of these it looked like the kids were throwing asbestos. There was probably fake no, snow involved. No, it was the... And- the 1913 one, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm late we on that comment. This, we didn't watch this one together. We watched the 1913 one together. And, yeah, the kids, it looked like the kids were throwing asbestos snowballs. <laughs> you never know. Asbestos has so many uses. <laughs> yeah, who knows. That was a random tangent back to three films ago. <laughs> <laughs> a little late on that one. Uh, Cratchit does get his salary doubled after the meal mm-hmm. with Fred. Now, fresh in my mind, I wrote down confusing ending. Why did I write that? Well, it was a little bit different because after the meal with Fred, 
it says that he summons Cratchit to his office, which you don't ever get because he's like summoning him back on Christmas Day. It's not like it's the next day or anything. Okay. And he summons him back, and then he tells them he's going to double the salary, and then they clink glasses. But he didn't act all that surprised, which I thought was kind of strange. They just, he tells him, and then they clink glasses. There the was, end. There was something specific in there that was confusing me, and I cannot remember what it was unless I watch it again, and I don't know how much it actually matters. The only thing that I found notable after the prayer was when Fred took the lid off the tureen, it looked like there was a little explosion. <laughs> I have no memory of that. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be steam, but I was like, that looked like an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at the end, it ends with what looks like whoople hello. And was that supposed to be an exclamation point? I think so, because there's what that same letter that looks sort of like an L at the end of world in the previous sentence and then after hello has the same thing at the end so I think it's like a blurby exclamation it's like a blurby exclamation point yeah there's no dot underneath that's probably what's throwing you off but that it's at the end of every sentence if if that's where they're ending the sentence okay I can live with that (laughs) but that that did stick out to me too the the whoop hello it says, I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A Merry Christmas to everybody and a Happy New Year to all of the world. Whoop. Hello. Which, now which th- seems like a weird ending. Which you telling me that it's a British film, I probably just chalk it up to being a British. Britishism. <laughs> <laughs> then the British people can comment, no, this is this has nothing to do with yeah. us or these times. Yeah, no, it's probably just an exclamation point. I didn't think it was anything else. Okay, well, that was just me then. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. The 1914 one is the best. This one, I think, also maybe just listen to your own music. I think it's Mm kind of cute, but the 1914 one probably comes out on top for for watchability. I like aspects of the 1923 one, but... Right. Uh, the the really truncated visits with the ghosts, I didn't appreciate because you don't get much story there. So just for a clear visual as well as clear narrative, properly fleshed out, mm-hmm. watch the 1914 one. Yeah, that was my favorite. It, it was the most fun, like the most fun characters. Cratchit and his whole family seemed like a jolly little family. They were fun, and yeah, I I really liked pretty much everything in the 1914 one. The rest, they were fine, but they all took liberties with the story. Not that 1914 didn't, of course, because it's only 20 minutes, so you can't fully tell the story in only 20 minutes, but they did a very good job. Well, there you have it. Our take on the silent versions. Yeah, I really like looking back at silent movies like this, just... It's not always about the story when I'm watching these. Yeah. I, it's fun just to see how they made movies back then, the different choices they make and the, actors, the different looks, clothing. Actresses. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's about all we've got for this one. Um, we'll probably have Sarah back for a future episode, find a story she wants to talk about, and hopefully we can find some silent versions to go with it. <laughs> that's, or uh, some really messed up 1930s version. You know, that's, <laughs> that's another thing with yeah, us. Yeah. The older the film, the the better it is for conversation, I think, sometimes. Could be. <laughs> Especially with Sarah. Because Sarah always has <laughs> inter- interesting takes to different aspects of the film that I wouldn't have even thought about. Thanks. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. This is our last episode talking about A Christmas Carol for the time being, but rest assured there are plenty more adaptations to talk about in the future. Next time we're going to start a whole new series looking at a brand new book, and this time we're jumping into a book I've never done before, but I've wanted to do for a long time, H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. I have four episodes currently planned for the series, about enough for one month's worth, if I get out an episode a week. But... 
You know how it goes sometimes. <laughs> Example A is this episode at the beginning of August, which was supposed to be at the end of July. So while I'm aiming for August in these episodes, if we end up going into September, I'm not going to sweat it. <laughs> Hopefully you will all understand. Anyway, I'm really excited to get into the War of the Worlds. This has been a book I've wanted to do a review series on for so long, and I can't wait to get into it. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Every Version Ever.